Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, November 27th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Xerox is taking its courtship of HP directly to shareholders. NASDAQ's listings business is about to surpass its downtown rivals, and private equity is getting into football in a big way. Plus, we'll take a look at why China's commitment to renewable energy has lagged in recent years. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Xerox hasn't had much luck in its bid for HP, so it's decided to try to get HP shareholders on board. Xerox said it would take its proposal for a $33 billion move for HP to the group's stakeholders. The move came just hours before HP released its fourth quarter earnings report. HP shares at one point were up more than 3% after the bell. The FT's Richard Waters has more. Now, the interesting question, I think, judging by the way that Wall Street is looking at this battle, is that there's a general view that a combination of these two companies would be very valuable for shareholders. Their combined market value has gone up about $3.5 billion since this idea first emerged. But the key question is, who is going to get the benefit of that $3.5 billion? Is it HP shareholders or Xerox's shareholders? And who's going to be in the driving seat after a deal is done? HP itself hasn't ruled out some kind of business combination. Uh, in a letter that it sent out to Xerox over the weekend, it made clear that really any investigation of a deal like that really needs to be HP management in the driving seat. HP is more than three times as big in terms of market value, and they really uh, don't like the idea of being on the receiving end of this. But I think for both companies, one thing they won't be able to forget is that Carl Icahn is a behind the scenes, an activist investor who is pulling strings for both companies. Icahn himself actually managed to maneuver Xerox into raising a, a large amount of cash recently by disposing of part of its business. And then it's with that cash that it's now approached HP. And Mr. Icahn, of course, is a big HP shareholder and stands to benefit from a deal. NASDAQ's listing business has only eclipsed that of the New York Stock Exchange once since the dot-com bubble. But it's about to do it again. Deal logic data show that NASDAQ raised $32 billion across 153 initial public offerings in the first 11 months of this year. The New York Stock Exchange, on the other hand, generated $26 billion in 46 listings. The New York Stock Exchange usually grabs larger deals and then raises more in IPO proceeds. Meanwhile, NASDAQ usually picks up more smaller listings. This year, the rivalry heated up as several big tech companies floated. Lyft went to NASDAQ, but Uber, which was the top IPO of the year, chose to list on the New York Stock Exchange. The last time NASDAQ beat the New York Stock Exchange was in 2012. And private equity is taking to the pitch. The owner of Manchester City, City Football Group, has agreed to sell a $500 million stake to the U.S. private equity firm Silver Lake. And the deal breaks a record in sports valuations. The English Premier League team has won four titles since the 2011-2012 season. Silver Lake's purchase is more than 10% of City Football Group at the valuation of $4.8 billion. 
The Abu Dhabi-controlled City Football Group not only owns Man City, but also teams in the U.S. and China. And the $500 million cash injection will help CFG expand. Sources with knowledge of the group's plans say CFG wants to acquire more football clubs around the world. And it's even looking to build a stadium in New York. Silver Lake has invested in big-name tech companies including Alibaba, Dell, and Skype. But it's pivoted to entertainment in the past few years. People who have knowledge of Silver Lake's strategy say that the private equity firm has also approached other European and English football clubs, including Chelsea. An official announcement of the deal could come as early as today. And here's a story you should know more about. Chinese investment in clean energy, think solar panels and wind power, is plummeting. In the first half of 2017, China spent $76 billion. In the first half of 2019, it spent less than half of that. Leslie Hook is now the FT's clean energy correspondent. But from 2010 to 2013, she reported from Beijing. And, she said, at the time, China's commitment to renewable energy looked a little different. At the time, the topic of better environmental regulation, less pollution, more climate action, more support for renewables, that was all a top priority for policymakers. China was going through a huge surge in new wind and solar installations. And so there was this idea that tackling environmental problems was going to help China make the transformation that it needed to in its economy. And so tightening up pollution controls fit into this broader economic goal. You recently wrote about a solar panel company that sums up what's going on in China now. That's right. When I was living in Beijing, the biggest solar panel maker in the world was Yingli. And they were a real sort of champion, national champion of the industry. But Yingli started running into trouble. The company, which was already facing a heavy debt load and hasn't been profitable since 2010, is also reeling from the impact of China's decline in renewable energy. So last year in 2018, policymakers announced a sudden cut to solar subsidies that was drastic and unexpected. After that cut was announced, we've seen solar installations in China, which is, of course, the biggest solar user in the world. We've seen solar installations in China just plummet. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, this duality China has. It, it, as you write, it's both the greenest country in the world, but it's also the most polluting. And this was particularly surprising. It has more wind and solar power than anybody else, but it's also the world's biggest builder of new coal plants. Why has China's attitude changed recently? Well, I'm not sure that China's attitude has changed recently, but I think that amid the worries about the economic slowdown, the protests in Hong Kong, I think that climate change and environmental concerns have become a lower priority in Beijing just because they've got other things that they're really, really worried about. China is, of course, the biggest installer of new wind and new solar every year. But those generous subsidies that they've been paying to wind and solar projects over the past decade have also created a big hole. And there is, in fact, a 200 billion RMB deficit in the renewable energy fund that is supposed to pay the subsidies 
for those solar and wind projects. So the economics of those renewable subsidies weren't really working out. Now the subsidies are being cut back and wind subsidies are also going to start falling next year. I think what we've seen is that other focuses like worrying about the economic slowdown and the political situation in Hong Kong, those have just become the top concern for Beijing. So there's less room to worry about climate and the environment. China signed on to the Paris Climate Accord in 2015. And since then, the U.S. has made moves to drop out of that accord. It puts a little bit more focus on China as uh, one of the main players in that agreement. That's right. The annual U.N. climate talks are starting on December 2nd. And the fact that the U.S. is in the process of withdrawing right now has been a huge blow because the presence of the U.S. and also diplomatic lobbying from the U.S., was one of the major factors that convinced China to sign up to the Paris Agreement to begin with. So with the U.S. gone, there's not really anybody who can fill that role. In the past, agreement on climate action was one of the areas where even the most hawkish Western politician could usually find something nice to say about China. And climate change and environmental concerns, renewable energy, all of this was celebrated as a really positive area of cooperation between China and the U.S. and China and Europe. But that's really been called into question recently since we've seen these dramatic declines in renewable energy and a build out of the coal fleet with China being the largest builder of new coal plants in the world. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.